0: my name's Mona and you're listening to Modern Careers. The podcast about the endless options available to you today to shape your own career path. I'm going to chat to inspiring people from tech entrepreneurs to creative freelancers and everything in between about how they got to a stage in their working life that lots of people dream of but not many actually reach. Having a career you love and serve a job that pays the bills. You're listening to episode number two. In episode one, I talked to entrepreneur Henry about all things tech and what it's like to start a business a few months after leaving university. So for everyone listening who has recently graduated or is indeed still studying, that episode had quite a few helpful pointers on how to start your career in the startup community. As a founder or simply helping out with whatever you can add. Because even if you haven't got a lot of work experience yet, you definitely have something to offer. This time, I'm chatting to someone who did start working in her field of expertise, learning from the really big guys before deciding to go solo. And if I say the really big guys, I mean it.
1: The the job that I had at Jamie's was most nutritionist dream job. Uh, the man can work like. 18 hour days and be completely on form the entire time so um, I mean everybody gets tired but he has an incredible amount of energy Um, I probably need to do whatever he's doing because yeah he has an amazing ability to just work and work
0: you heard right Mary worked with no other than serial entrepreneur Jamie Oliver himself before starting her business what she learned from him, and everything about how to develop a food product from scratch and get it onto shelves of Whole Foods and Waitrose, today on Modern Careers. Ideas pull the trigger, but instinct loads the gun. That's a quote by Don Marcus, It really fits the way Mary was inspired to start her food business. She was already working at Jamie Oliver, had studied nutrition, and therefore knew a lot about the industry. That's the loading the gun part. For the trigger, it need a very special aha moment, one that happened whilst she was out on the work trip, and the one that she can recall very clearly.
1: And I'd gone over to teach the 15 chefs in Amsterdam just about nutrition, um, and so I was there by myself, and um, it was actually on the flight over. I, I used to always, uh, at Jamie's in London, when you're going for lunch, you'd go and get your, I don't know, prep. Salad or whatever, and um, I always wanted, well, often wanted something sweet afterwards, and there was nothing that fit the bill where where it was actually healthy. So there's like the low fat yogurts and things that you can get, but often they're pumped full of extra sugar, or there's the um, like uh, bars and things that you can get now, but it just was never something that I felt like I wanted something that felt desserty, but that was still allowed you to keep on track um, and I also wanted to be able to look at a label and understand every ingredient in it so um, I knew that and I, I used to make avocado chocolate mousse at home and my partner hates avocado and he could never tell that there was avocado in it so I was like oh there's something here and it was actually on the plane over there I was like why do not I just do that as a business
0: so Mary decided to start her food business one that produces desserts that are indulgent but healthy at the same time The dream, really.
1: Um, So it's an avocado chocolate mousse, and it's made just out of avocados, dates, cashew nuts, cocoa and water and natural flavourings. It's in a little milk churn, and we've packaged it in a way that is very different to anything on the market, Um, which again was one of those things that I wanted to bring something exactly as I wanted it to market before I started selling it, which is backwards, backwards most people start selling it in tiny jars, and then they move up into a packaged product, Um, and yeah, I'm really happy with the end result, it's logistically a little bit of a nightmare, because we've got a hand-sealed lid, hand-tied tag, hand put on sticker, and then the cute little milk churn but it looks really nice <laughs> so um yeah so the product's completely vegan gluten free paleo free of any added sugars no additives preservatives or anything of any kind like i was saying to you i I wanted to create a product that somebody could look at the ingredients list and know exactly what's in it and not be confused by it at all um but i also wanted to create something that didn't taste healthy i think there's a lot what well, taste healthy it's a bad way of putting it but um, tastes like everything else that's on the market. There's a lot on the market now um, and a lot that tastes exactly the same as each other. Um, and so I wanted to, to create something that tasted really indulgent. Um, and yeah, I'm really, really happy with it.
0: When Mary got back from her work trip, she had a vision. But she still had a few things she had to do before she could fully concentrate on her passion project
1: so we i quit jamie's well i left jamie's on uh the first february 2015 and i was doing the masters at the same time uh so i was doing the masters and working getting my freelance work up and running and i was starting to play around with the concept then it was june 2015 that i came up with the name and everything but like i said lots of other stuff was going on it was only February 2016 that we took the product to market so it sold our first pot in like on the 1st of February 2016 and then uh, December 2016 that we got investment um, and then took on staff in February no March 2017. So really our, our business only properly started in uh, January 2017 I'd say because it's I only started working on it full time then.
0: As you see, getting a company up and running takes time. Especially if you're the only one working on it and have other things on at the side, like it was the case for Mary. But this situation is a common one for people trying to make their side project their full-time job. Having multiple income streams reduces the financial risk you get yourself into and also gives you some time to explore the possibilities of a new idea part-time without throwing yourself completely into it.
1: It has to be a driving force within you that you wouldn't, that you'd resent if you didn't try. it, um, If you didn't try, sorry. So, yeah.
0: That's a really nice quote, actually. I like that. Um talk a bit, a little bit about uh, about money um I remember you were saying that you know you do some um consulting on the side as well if you didn't have that as a kind of um I suppose safe-ish income stream on the side another leg like to stand on would that ha- would have made you more uh less likely to you know
1: well I didn't to begin with so um when I first started out well again this was my naivety uh I um thought you know i've worked for jamie oliver and i'm on the board of nutritionists and industry and i'll get some freelance work that'll be fine that was a, a lot harder than i could have anticipated uh, and actually only now i get quite regular offers for freelance work um it's taken it takes a long time to build that momentum and obviously i wasn't doing it full time but there was a point at which um i was doing two jobs two part-time jobs the masters the business and freelance and that was the point where it was just too much, like, everything just got really on top of me.
0: When Mary started getting serious and quitting her job, her friends were indeed concerned about the risk she had gotten herself into.
1: Um. So, yeah, there's been friends who have been far more, although haven't told me until now things are going well, uh, thought I was an absolute idiot <laughs> that I was doing it. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm really supportive.
0: Were they mostly concerned, you know, about kind of the financial side of it or more kind of for your own sake, like, oh, should I should have to work so hard. Like now, obviously, you're probably working, you know, over hours at James as well, but you know, what you got yourself into.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think financially is one of those things that you, I'd planned for it and I had contingencies for that. Um, but... I think it's one of those things that I definitely underestimated um the difficulty of that um just because you you I'm I can be very rash and like I said made a decision and that's it that's what's happening um but actually the day-to-day of living that decision uh when you're first starting out and taking a massive lifestyle cut is is really tricky um and yeah so I think that was definitely a concern of people's but I think over time they've they've realized that um that I I couldn't do anything else.
0: In a way, Mary really didn't have a choice. She needed to find out what it's like to start your own business and whether her idea of a healthy dessert would work. So she started developing the product, which back then looked a little different to how it does today. Mary again.
1: So initially I was trying to make a frozen product um, and it just wasn't working. It couldn't get the taste profile right. I also knew that I didn't want maple syrup in it. Not that maple syrup is necessarily bad, but I wanted to add more fibre to the product. Um, like I was saying, I think it's one of the things that's missed out and it's the boring aspect of our diet that's often overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make it as nutritious as possible. And so that's what took months and months of testing and trialling. So the end product was just really um, a lucky thing from t- trialling and testing for months. Um, so uh yeah just testing and testing and testing we finally we got to the recipe that we wanted we only launched actually with the orange initially and then when i got investment at the end of last year we uh, we launched the three other flavor varieties that's mostly just because of cost um people it's one of the things that you One of the areas that I was completely oblivious to was the fact that I'd have to buy 50,000 lids, for example. And when you're funding everything yourself, that's a lot of money. So... um things get slowed up by just those minimum order quantities from packaging companies, from raw material companies. And then the other thing is when you take a recipe from a kitchen into a manufacturing unit, um, it's, it's a very, very different beast. So you think I'll just times that by a thousand and it'll be fine. (laughs) And that really isn't the case. Um, so there's been, Oh God, there's been lots of different things that have been adjusted, um, over the last year or so. Um, yeah and and even from a development perspective we had to because i decided on this design we had to have a handmade um sealer made uh that was custom made to the size of the pot and things um which again was a big outlay and therefore took me a long time to do and so yeah it's been a process
0: (laughs) it looks amazing it really does it really it really looks uh really unique um for people who you know really you know, haven't nutrition, have never worked nutrition. Um, how does it work with, um, are you managing, you know, the supplier or is that kind of in the manufacturing unit and the wholesaler, you know, just all that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, so well, initially, I always knew that I didn't want to make it myself. Um, so I wanted to have a third party manufacturer make it so that took a couple of months to find because it's a completely new product it's not like finding a manufacturer of crisps for example Uh, it took a long time to find somebody who's willing to do it we found somebody Um, they had much bigger customers than us and just slowly over time they just couldn't, they they couldn't basically um, supply us anymore with the manufacturing. So then I was in a bit of a sticky situation, so then I had to find an emergency kind of manufacturer and I found one in Burford in the Cotswolds, so the old one was in Wales, so it was better logistically to have one in Burford. Um, And and then we got some much bigger contracts and... um, we needed to get a big health and safety accreditation more recently. And um, the manufacturer who we were then with wasn't willing, well, he was willing to do it, but there was lots of different complications. So then after saying I didn't want to take it on ourselves, we took on manufacturing ourselves. So we recently, about two months ago, moved into our own manufacturing unit and we've just been Salsa accredited and we've got everything set up. And and so it's come very much full circle. So yeah, we manage everything from, we've always managed... Um, Buying in of ingredients and sourcing of ingredients, sourcing of all the packaging uh, and now manufacturing uh, and then storage, uh, distribution um, and sales and marketing.
0: So after jumping through a few hoops, Mary decided to take manufacturing in-house. A brave decision as it required her to oversee even more processes. This really shows the essential quality of entrepreneurs. Resilience. With anything you do, in life or business, there will be problems that you'll need to overcome. Smaller ones that are simply annoying and time-consuming, but also bigger ones that might make success seem impossible. But the people who stay resilient, open-minded, explore all solutions and stick with their vision, are the ones who will succeed in the end. For Mary, the first major step was done. But as with every startup, the next major challenge wasn't far off. The product was manufactured, but for customers to purchase it, she had to get it into stores
1: um yeah I mean it is the hardest bit um it's also even you'd say getting into shelves I'd say getting it out of shelves into people's baskets and keeping it on shelves so you think as soon as you've got a stockist that's it but it really really isn't um we live in a very competitive world and people want to hit targets and if they don't there, a lot of companies are very ready just to delist you so um I'd say trials and tribulations around getting in stores is just pure grit determination and uh, not being afraid to be annoying with buyers. Buyers have huge numbers of products that they look after, and so they are they are just juggling a 100 things at once. So not being afraid to just keep contacting them until you get a no, it's still possibly a yes. And the majority of the time, if I haven't got a no, it is going to be a yes, if that makes sense. You just have to be able to get them on the phone. Um, so that's one thing. And then... Um, Secondly, I'd say, actually, with some teams and some companies, there's a big turnover in the number of buyers. So even if you haven't succeeded once with a buyer, if they've changed, check in. Have they changed buyers? Because somebody will have a completely different opinion. Um, Some buyers have a really good understanding of of starting a business and of uh, the different things around a product and packaging and shelf life, and others don't. So... They'll, some people will pick holes and things that they don't realise is is a non-negotiable before they start, and others have a much have a really, really good understanding of the industry. Um, so I'd say going into it with a really open mind, being flexible, like your one benefit as a small company is being flexible. Do what you have to do to get on that shelf. And once you're there, really put in the work to stay there. So tastings, has always, as a new product, tastings has been our biggest... Um, market um, marketing ploy um because people haven't tried it before they think it's weird until they've tried it so you have to get it in people's mouths and then um am just supporting in any way you can the benefit about my background is obviously that i can offer to talk, uh, talk at festivals and um write blogs and things like that so i'll often kind of sell that as part of the marketing for the business um So yeah, just being as creative as you can, but to be honest, I'm still figuring it out. So (laughs) come back to me in a year.
0: (laughs) Mary realized that her strength, her wide knowledge about nutrition and her deep passion for it was one of her unfair advantages. A quality that you have that makes you more likely to succeed than the next person. She understood that consumers buy products, not only because of their factual attributes, such as calorie content, but for the wider image surrounding them and the lifestyle they represent. This was also relevant for the CSR element of the business. CSR, that's corporate social responsibility. For every pot of owner's chocolate pots you buy, you're buying a healthy breakfast for a child in need. a side of the business Mary is very passionate for, not only because it's a great marketing message. You already touched on the CSR, so that's the last section. I just wanted to kind of uh, explore, do you remember when you first thought, actually, I mean, this is great, but it misses the CSR perspective because obviously for every pot you buy...
1: Yeah, so for every pot you buy, you're buying a breakfast for a child needing Gambia. It wasn't before... It wasn't after the product. I I knew when I started the company, I wanted, to, um, I wanted CSR to be at its core. Um, it was my time at Jamie Oliver working on the um, foundation side. I used to think that... I think one of the main reasons his brand has got such great longevity is because he's so... Socially aware, um, as well as commercial. So he thinks very commercially, but it funds a lot of the responsible work they do, and I just thought that's awesome. And it it means that they're the charity is sustainable because it's backed by a commercial venture. And I thought there's a real power within that because charities rely so heavily on fundraising and then they'll have people there purely for fundraising and it costs the com the charity themselves so much to fundraise and i just thought if it's actually backed on a commercial venture it's sustainable automatically so i think there's something really cool about that so c- companies like tom's shoes i've always followed and thought that's an incredible thing and then when i left and did the food policy masters um or started it um I was, my lecturer was Tim Lang, who's like always been massively influential in the UK around sustainable food, um, and he, he was really inspiring and, and I just started to learn more and more, even more so than my time at Jamie's, more and more about how farmers are just getting less and less money and, and businesses are just getting more and more and, um, and then in the political landscape we're in at the moment, it just I, I just think to rely on national governments to make a difference is a really tricky thing. Um, I think the only way that the world can change is if businesses ta- start to take more of a responsibility. Businesses are the people with the money. Um, so really, if they, were the, if they were able to take responsibility, then we could make a massive difference. So I think it's how, I hope it's how in the future every company will run. Um, so it doesn't really seem like a big thing t- to me. Um, I just think it's a very easy thing to do it's fantastic um, why not and um, I think it should be at the core of every business
0: do do you do you find it easy indeed then because um you know I can imagine it it must be a challenge especially in a startup where you know you have to really take care about you know how much is a product um you know people are repro really sensitive you know was it ever a challenge operationally or from a um I suppose cost point of view really implementing it
1: to be honest it's just never been a, it's just always been a non-negotiable for me so it's 10p per pot and um that that is to me nothing um obviously to a business it is a lot but it and, and we don't make a lot of profit so what well, we don't make profit at the moment so yes it it does make a difference but at the same time i hope that it's why people buy into the brand and why they would want to support that business rather than another um, and also it is I mean it's amazing marketing and that's the thing is but people po- pointed the finger initially when I did it and said oh you're just doing it as a marketing point I was like well I'm not fundamentally it's what I believe in but yes it is good marketing for the company but why is that a bad thing the two work are mutually beneficial isn't that really cool like <laughs> I don't and when people say that as an insult it's like it's not an insult yes it is good marketing for the business but the whole point is it does good at the same time so I don't understand what you're saying.
0: Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, I really get that. (laughs) When you hear Mary speak about nutrition, CSR, and food, you hear how passionate she really is about all of it. And that passion was necessary for her to leave her job, a job she actually enjoyed, and start this adventure. Being personally connected to the business you start keeps you going. A lesson she learned from Jamie, obviously. And if, if there's one thing that you kind of learn from working from him... Even indirectly, if it wasn't even from him said, but just thinks he did that you try now to try to adapt in your business, what would that be?
1: It would be about having a mission behind the company. I think again for him, if he'd if it was about money, he could have retired years ago. Um, uh, but it's having having a mission with the business. I hope that even if I were to convince one other company to to act slightly more responsibly, I'd leave a happy person. So I think. Um, th- that has to be your driving force is is trying to trying to make a difference but i'm not saying i'm trying to make a difference and it's a charity company the fact is i want to prove that you can be commercial and responsible at the same time so yeah that's definitely what i took from him i found that inspiring so i definitely took that from him
0: So if you've become curious about the cute little pods of chocolatey goodness that we've been chatting about in the last half an hour or so, please visit Mary's website, onusfood.com, or her Instagram, OnusFood, and have a look what she's up to. And the next time you're in one of the following shops, why not grab a pod?
1: So, we at the moment sell online um, and then on online shops like Coombe Farm, yumbles.com, um and then we sell in All Planet Organics in London, um, Eat 17 in London, Source Market, and then in Soho Farmhouse, Delhi, um, the membership club. Um, but we're in early new year next year, I think I'm fine to say this. We're launching to Whole Foods and Ocado, and then some other places soon after that, hopefully. So.
0: I don't know about you, but I'm getting really hungry now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.